Hello. Uh, my name's Jimmy, uh-huh. and um, I am the real star of this hey. show. Hey! <laughs> Rise and shine, because <laughs> I looked at you in the eye and I knew you were thinking that. Welcome back to another episode of Just a Quick Pinch. I'm your host, Connie Wang. I have my fellow treatment planner here, Jimmy. The real host. Okay, sure. And we are doing another episode of Chief Complaints for you guys, answering your chief complaints. Um, my chief complaint is I was a dummy this week. Usually I try to stagger the questions, you guys, so that it's like a variety of three different kinds. This week, somehow I ended up lumping together two questions that are pretty similar. So you guys are lucky. You know, this Friday class gets out a little early. You too, Jimmy. You guys all get lucky. It's a Friday. I'm feeling generous. So we only have like really like two questions. It's like two and a half questions mm-hmm. today because both of them are so similar. But that just goes to show you guys that you guys all have the same problems and we're all in the same boat. So Anyways, without further ado, let's get into the episode, shall we? Or do you have a chief complaint you want to discuss? No, I was just going to tell people they're not alone. Okay. People are going through the same things as you. That's good. He's like, let's uh, just speed this episode. No, I don't have any complaints. Jimmy wants me to finish up this episode because he's waiting for the pho that I made Yeah, that's my complaint stove. is that I could be eating pho, but I'm talking to all of you and fixing your problems. <laughs> You know what our real chief complaint is? Is the fact that Ellie ate all the chicken off of the countertop, you guys. I hand, meticulously hand-picked a whole rotisserie chicken. I shredded it. I just removed the bones and all of that, like, glorious meat I put on a plate. I guess Mama put the plate a little too close to the edge of the countertop, and Jimmy and I were just laying on the couch, and all of a sudden we hear Ellie, like, skirt off, and then we hear... And, like, at first I thought it was just her eating her normal food. So then I was like, oh, good. She's finally catching up on her food. <laughs> and then we realized she had devoured three-fourths of a plate of rotisserie well, chicken. I think she only got about half the plate. No, that was that's definitely way more than half. Oh, you didn't no. see it before. Yeah, so I hope you're enjoying yourself. She's literally having an existential crisis right now, staring out the window with a tummy full of chicken. It's so cute. Not a care in the world. Not a care in the world. And it was like really good, high quality, like white breast meat and separated, like not too fatty, like good um, dark meat also. Wait, are you mm-hmm. a white meat or a dark meat? How do I not know this about you? I feel like with chicken, it's all the same. I, I feel I like only when you get those larger birds. Like, like turkey. The, the turkey. What other large birds are you eating? Ostrich. <laughs> I feel like I grew up. Like, in Asian families, you celebrate the dark meat. The white meat, they're like, oh, Americans eat those white, eat the white meat. Like, we like like the dark meat. I like dark meat, too. Yeah, dark meat is really where it's at. I didn't know. The big difference between us whites Uh is we just don't like bones in our food. That's true. That's true. Whereas in Asian cultures, bone in is associated with being, like, more, like, it, more moist bone is is more moist more, more delicious flavorful. yeah all of that stuff i i definitely don't i have much less of a bone in aversion these days than the tip yeah i i really transformed you see this is what jimmy's brought to me he jimmy introduced me to the world of taco bell and what was the other one i don't know applebee's no no, no. taco bell and there was another food product that i really liked like canned queso um Don't and be. yes and i introduced jimmy to the world of bone in meats and shellfish and vegetables and fruits oh my god that's what we have to that's my chief complaint you thought i would forget and i didn't 
So I was so excited. I had this whole dinner party planned on Monday or Tuesday night. And then I was like, oh, I'm going to try to make ceviche for the first time. And everyone knows the key to making ceviche the authentic way. It's like raw shrimp and fish that's cooked in acid from limes. So the one task that I gave Jimmy at the grocery store was to pick me four limes. And what does he do? He picks me lime jerky. It was so dry. The limes had no juice left to give. No tears left to cry. It was. How was I supposed to know? They looked like unassuming limes. I just don't understand how you don't know to pick juicy fruit. You want juicy limes, juicy lemons. You want them for the juice. Like the you second just, I picked you didn't it up, tell me to pick juicy limes. Oh you God. told me to pick limes. <laughs> the second and I picked, I picked up lime. the lime, I felt it and I was like, how could this be? I'm like, there's no way this lime could have shriveled up in my... And then I stopped and thought and I was like, Jimmy. <laughs> so needless to say, we're going to have they a lesson. All bad? Like three of the four were bad. So I... <laughs> so you one on one. But then that's another thing. How did you pick up the one that was good and you were like, good. And then you didn't pick a thing the rest could be better? I just literally was like four limes like <laughs> there was no thought of quality control in my mind and i think it did actually cross my mind like oh like eh, what if i pick a bad one? Oh, like i don't know i don't know what I'm usually doing. he's so anxious about picking a bad fruit that he'll like ask me questions i'm there over his shoulder to look but today that day it was truly just like he went rogue on his own and i didn't even think to stop and question because i was like it's lying well like, i think i didn't know what she even needed the lines for so like maybe if she told me like hey i need a lot of these Needless to say, she didn't give me enough instruction. She just told me to get limes, which I followed through on. You're like the limes were acquired. <laughs> so, anyways, I saved the day because I found a juicy lemon in our fridge somehow. It like hadn't gone bad yet. It was perfect. And then I also added apple cider vinegar. So for anyone, oh my god, we've already been talking for seven minutes. But for anyone that quickly wants to learn how to make a ceviche, even if you're out of citrus, use vinegar. Anyways, school's let's get into <laughs> yeah, school's not. This is what happens. When the teacher's in a chat, you just let her start talking. (laughs) Sorry, I I I got everyone's hopes up that school would be let out early today, and and I just want everyone to know she's not hitting me (laughs) over the limes. Yeah, you know what would hurt if I hit you with those limes? Yeah, they were rock hard. Fill a sock with some limes. You won't leave a mark. Yeah. Anyways, okay, okay, let me get to the first question. All right, the first and the two the two questions that are similar. Let's start off with that one. The first question, understanding the fact that making mistakes is okay and that I cannot ace everything in the first attempt. I just did my first extraction as a dental student and I wasn't able to get the tooth all the way out. And then, so this is kind of similar actually to question number two, which was how to not feel like I suck when I do poorly in operative lab, especially as a recurring, oh, especially as a recovering perfectionist. I definitely feel both of these things. Um... I actually learned something that was really helpful in my recent workshop with Masha about like healing your nervous system and stuff. And it's called like playing the game of why. So every time you like make a statement, you ask yourself like why, like why do I feel this way? Why, 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 why? So like for me, for example, let me um, go through one of these examples. So let's say like, I don't want to like, I feel really crappy about myself when I can't get like a good feeling done. So why? So from my perspective, I feel like if I can't even get a simple feeling done, then I won't be a good dentist. So why does that make me upset? I feel like if I can't be a good dentist, then I can't contribute to society the way I want. I can't feel good about myself. Why do you feel that way? Because I feel like if I'm not a good dentist and I'm not contributing to society, then I have no worth. Like, what's the point of me living? I have no value. And then, like, why is that bad? 
And it's like, oh, because like if I have no value, then I won't feel love or anything like that, right? So basically like the way that you keep going is you keep kind of spiraling and asking yourself like, why does, why is this bad? Who put that thought in your head kind of? And then you get to this point where you realize like all you really want is more like self-acceptance, self-love, or for you, it might be different. You know, everyone's kind of why spiral ends up being a little bit different, but it kind of helps you reapproach because it sounds like both of these people understand that, you know, making mistakes is part of the process and they understand that even if they do poorly in school that they don't suck, but it's more like, how do you convince yourself, you know, to not feel that way? The best way to approach these types of scenarios when it's your first, you know, first couple times doing something, you really want to do it well, t- trying to instead tell yourself, oh, but I did this really, really well. So it wasn't all all bad is, I think, a good way to kind of tackle it. It's kind of just like... reframe it as what you did well. Yeah. And I think also managing your expectations, because like when I read the thing about like it was your first extraction, it's literally your first one. No one's first one. My first extraction, the resident did like 80 percent of the work. Like you're lucky that you even like tried because I feel like I was just taking so long with my extraction. That's something that's so normal. It's like setting your expectations with how your first thing's going to go, with how challenging things are going to go. That's key to not letting yourself get frustrated because ultimately like the worst thing that can happen is if you get frustrated with yourself and then you let your frustrations like inhibit you from trying more things in the future. Mm. That's the really the only way you can lose. Not getting not being able to get that one extraction done or not doing well in your operative lab that one time. Yeah, it didn't go like perfectly, but the thing is like the biggest failure, quote unquote failure of all, is if it stops you from progressing in the future. Like one mistake isn't really that much a mistake in the grand scheme of things. And also the more, it's, it's not really your fault for feeling this way though, because what I've noticed is the more you see in clinic or an operative lab, the more you'll know and the more, the easier you'll, you'll, you'll be on yourself because you'll realize these things happen. But when you first start doing things, you don't really realize how common these mistakes are. Mm -hmm. So instead you take it much more personally and you think, Oh, it must be me. I must suck me, 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 me. But it's really not about you. It could be that tooth was really tricky that day. That student told me it, it was a tricky tooth or for, you know, for your operative lab thing that you did poorly on, it could be like, the room was hot that day and the material wasn't setting, you know, Mm -hmm. there's so many different factors that it's really never about you. Um, And that's the challenging thing of doing a lot of what we do in healthcare is that a lot of times our outcomes are not in our control fully. And I think like things like being in school are our first lessons of that, of learning, like no matter what your intentions are things might not always work the way that you want um i think another thing to keep in mind when we talk about like perfectionism and all of that is like well recently i've been learning in like my nervous system course about how there's actually no such thing as like self-sabotage there's only self-protection right so the idea is that everything you're doing um let's say like we thought it was previously a self-sabotaging behavior like perfectionism procrastination all of that It's not actually self-sabotage because your body only ever functions from like trying to like preserve itself and trying to save itself. So the like that kind of like shapes how you should see it. Right. So your body is just trying to protect yourself from the perceived threat, whether that's like, you know, like failure or like high stakes situations, things like that. Um, And I think by like kind of changing how you think about 
challenges like changing how you see your first procedure that you do or changing how you see like that operative lab instead of like allowing yourself to see it as such a threat seeing it as just an opportunity that's, that's all it really is it's just like an opportunity to learn and an opportunity to gain something um, like seeing it in a more positive like opportunistic kind of way rather than like oh this is a test and like they're all gonna see that I'm gonna fail that's like one better way to set yourself up for success one good uh, episode you can actually listen to, I did a previous episode way, 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 way back. You have to like search really, really far into the beginning for it. But I actually previously did an episode all about perfectionism, procrastination, and I, I know that one doesn't apply as much to the question, but perfectionism and self-sabotaging behaviors and things like that, that would be a really good episode to listen to um, to kind of help you gain some like self-compassion because I promise you like we really have all been there before. Like I do not expect anyone to their first time doing an extraction or first time doing any sort of procedure, like get it right. Um, even same with like operative. I think I heard the some statistic where like it takes like, 3,000, maybe like 3 million or 300,000 times to like really master something. So I'm willing to bet this is probably one of the first like maybe couple hundred times you've done something, if hundred, you know. So give yourself that grace for sure because it's just the beginning of a very long journey of mastery and you're, you guys are really just getting started. So don't worry at all. It's not an indication that you're not right for this field or that you're not good enough or anything like that. Because I ultimately feel like that's kind of what we're worried about is like, oh, this means I won't be a good X, Y, Z in the future. Yeah. And I'll say that uh, everyone kind of has to, you know, there's first times later, like kind of throughout your career, too. You might have not done something in a while. Like yesterday, I ran my first like outpatient pharmacist appointment. Uh, that I were you like, scared? I was a little scared. Oh. Uh, I've done. I mean, I did it before back in like residency, but I've been in an inpatient job, so I haven't had to be the one leading any kind of office visit or anything. So even with that, I I did pretty good. But the pharmacist I was working with gave me some different you know pointers and feedback, so I wasn't I wasn't perfect uh, doing that. And I think you mentioned something important, how, like, so you saw when that other pharmacist gave you pointers, you saw them as just as that, right? Just as pointers. I yeah. think a lot of times in school, it's a it's like a pressure cooker for negative emotions. So you're almost primed to interpret things like that as, like, these are all, like, the negative things I'm doing. When really, like, maybe they were just trying to help you, but because of the high-stress situation you're in, maybe you have a thousand exams coming up, you just got into a uh, fight with your roommate or something, like... These situations can make it easier to see everything as, like, a perceived threat instead. That... Well, and I think I even asked for feedback. Uh, some oh, that's people, another good some one. Some people are really, uh, I think, you know, people might be kind of nervous to ask for feedback. But if it's your first time doing something and it didn't go as planned, even with, the uh, you know, this not being able to pull out the tooth, uh-huh. I think that's something, like, you, you know, talk to the professor, mm -hmm. like, hey, like, was like was there some other thing I could have should have done that would have made this attempt successful? And then they might reassure you and say like, no, like this was a hard tooth to pull. Yeah, um, it's it's a really good or, opportunity. Or or if you did miss something obvious, then they'll just they'll be like, hey, like you could do this next time. And then that way, like you know for sure how to improve from that situation. So yeah. if you encounter it again, you're gonna ace it that next time. I feel like it's almost better to have the ball in your court by asking for feedback. Because that way you're like, no, they gave me feedback that I asked for, you know? Like, that's a good way to get some uh, reassurance. Because also, when we're doing things for the first time or when we're new at something, it's very easy if we don't get feedback to just assume the worst. So it's good to always ask for feedback and, like, 
you know, get that information because I'm sure there's a lot of positive things that you were doing right when you were doing that extraction or when you were in operative lab for the second person asking. I'm sure there's a lot of things that you're doing right, but it's just very easy to fixate on the things that you feel like you did incorrectly. So yeah, okay, second question and last question, or I guess this is kind of like the, the third question basically. Mm -hmm. Furnishing my apartment for dental school while being smart with finances. They want cozy and cheap. So this actually is like perfect timing because we are moving out of our apartment pretty soon and I've been trying to look up how to like make a space more cozy. So, okay, do you want to know the answers? I, I like Google this. There's like a science actually to how to make your apartment more cozy. Sure. So I'll, I'll tackle that part first before we go into finances. So the key to making things cozy, there's kind of like three key elements. It's lighting textures and nature so for lighting a lot of apartments they come with overhead lighting right but overhead lighting is very harsh and it's not very like customizable to cozy you want to put lighting in like cozy corners because that kind of gives you the illusion of like almost like a cave kind of environment mm -hmm. you don't have to get like big super high power lamps or anything like that but just getting a couple small like maybe little mini lamps or like fairy lights like little twinkle lights to put mm -hmm. around the area that's a good way to make something look cozy um, because once you turn off the lights, like the little bit of light that you get from the fairy light or a little lamp will definitely go a long way. And then with plants. So plants definitely add an element of coziness. But what I've found is certain types of plants add more coziness than others. So instead of just like a pot of like a cactus, right? Like cacti are cute. But I think something that also adds an element of coziness with plants is if you kind of stagger their heights. So some people have really, really tall, like monstera, like big bushes or something, right, in their apartments. That's nice. But if you can't achieve that, you can kind of achieve the same feel by just putting a, a plant on like a raised surface, like a shelf or having it hang from the ceiling mm -hmm. rather than just putting it on a table. Something about having plants in like a higher location, like makes it it does i don't know why i think it like adds to like the cozy wall kind of feeling so one way you can do that is by getting plants and then like getting the hangers to hang them from the ceiling or putting them on like bookshelves or like higher up on tables and stuff like that um or if you can getting a really really tall plant like for our next apartment i want to get like remember when we went through our areca palm phase <laughs> yeah yeah i want to get like another like big palm kind of plant I missed that Eureka Palm. I know. It was going all well until we got Ellie, and then we completely disregarded it. Ellie's like, Eureka, I miss you. Eureka. My first sibling. She's like, Erica. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's lighting, plants. And then the third thing that really adds coziness is texture. So what I mean by that is um, when it comes to your blankets and things like that, p blankets, pillows, cushions, uh, couches, that's a good area to add texture to make things look soft and inviting. So a lot of textures that add more coziness are faux fur, big chunky knits, and there's also something to be said about color theory with these textures as well. So like more warm and light tone colors are more inviting and cozy rather than cool, harsh, dark tones. Use those like kind of three principles. Warm. Yes, that's that, that's actually exactly She's why. She's done with cool blues. So we had this conversation exactly last night on the couch where I was like, Jimmy, I want like my our next apartment to be themed like warm colored. And that's precisely why. I want it to be like cozy. So like, let me reiterate, we want the cozy textures, the cozy lighting and the cozy plants. So those are like three mm -hmm. things. Editing Connie here. I forgot to add when we were talking about textures, something else that can add a lot of warmth and coziness is woven textures. 
um, things like even wicker, also rattan, I think it's called, and then also wood can add a lot of warmth as well. Also rugs. Rugs are very important to add in coziness, especially if there's like hard wood, but you can even add it on top of carpet for more cozy. Now, now that we're talking about being smart with finances, there's a couple ways to go with this. One, and I'm experiencing this right now, people want to get rid of their stuff right now, people, like the months of May April and June, students are moving out, right? So, like, mm -hmm. now is the best time for you to grab things from fourth-year dental students or whatever that are moving out of their apartments because they're going to practically give you that shit for free. Like, everyone's trying to get rid of that stuff. So, definitely check out on Facebook. Usually, I feel like each school kind of has, like, uh, a group for dental students. So, like, for example, we have, like, a Tufts Dental School group for everyone that's moving and selling. Um, and it's helpful, too, because it's in the area of where everyone lives. So that's a good way to snatch up things on a discount. Yeah. Um, I've also Facebook Marketplace, just in general. Yeah, in general, uh, we, Facebook we sold, Marketplace. We sold furniture to a stranger. Yeah, and another really great way to get stuff is if you join your like city or your town's Facebook group, there's a group in Boston called Bitches of Boston on Facebook, and people are always selling furniture on there. Like It's like definitely a thing. So don't uh, sleep on the power of social media with that, especially with upperclassmen. Like Everyone knows someone that's trying to sell something and get rid of something. So mm -hmm. definitely harness students that you haven't met yet, upperclassmen students. Oh, Jimmy has a good tip with Bob's discount furniture. I don't know if you have one near you. Yeah. So uh, big in the Northeast, there's locations elsewhere. This, I think, could apply to a lot of different furniture store chains. Right. Uh, sometimes, depending on the store, they might have some kind of damaged uh, models of stuff. But it could be damaged in a spot that really doesn't matter. Like, for example, the couch that we got, we have right now, uh, which would have been... I think retailed at like 800 or something brand That's new. That's pretty good for a couch. Um, yeah, I, you can get a you can get a couch pretty cheap if it's an investment. Like you don't want to like just get one every year. Mm -hmm. uh, but so it was in the scratch and dent section in the back, and it when we looked at it, the only spot that had a, like some kind of dent was in the back of the couch, and we. We're planning on putting it flush with a wall anyways. Don't, like, most people, like, who even does that anymore? Like, not putting a couch flush to the wall. I don't know. It depends on the layout of your home. Yeah, I guess uh, depending on how much space you but, have. But, uh, so, I got this couch for, I think, 50% off. It was $400. Wow. Just because it got dinged up when it was getting driven to the store, probably. That's, like, an insanely good price for a couch. Yeah, so, look around at different, you know, kind of discount outlet furniture store type places that are near you, and you might find a good deal like that. Uh, obviously, Ikea is another place you could go, but Ikea is a little more expensive than yeah. one might think. Like, it's, like, not a great deal Ikea is not exactly, like, for, like, like, I feel like college students can't quite afford Ikea, but... I don't know. I feel like, yeah, don't feel like you have to... Also, the trap is... Uh, when you go to these like furniture kind of stores, you feel like you have to buy everything at one store. Um, don't fall into that trap. Definitely like shop around, mm -hmm. buy one item here, another item there, because your best deal will always be like mixing and matching pieces from many different stores. Mm -hmm. Like every store kind of has its strength in its cheaper items versus its um, more pricey items. So definitely like try to figure out. It, it depends on your style, too. Um, oh, also, I've heard people having success with Goodwill, even. Not necessarily for big furniture pieces, but for just decor in general. Like, Goodwill, and especially, like, thrifting, um, like, cups and dinnerware and all that kind of stuff. That's, like, pretty in nowadays. It looks, like, cool to have, like, mismatched sets. 
Um, so definitely recommend thrifting. Like, I see nothing wrong with thrifting plates. Like, they're washed, they're washable, machine washable. They're fine. Yeah, I mean, uh, they're, they're meant to continue to be used. Uh, yes, yeah, I think that's fine. I wouldn't do it, but... I will be doing it, so... No, we have a nice, we have nice sets of things. I know we have nice sets, but, like, I'm such a sucker for, like, finding unique, like, pieces and stuff. Yeah. I wish that instead of just moving, we were getting married so people could send us like I know, new imagine. sets of plates and whatnot but we don't need new sets of plates but like i know what you mean like new we, stuff we need a i think we need to like start changing over our bowls and stuff now that we have new plates yeah and then also i want a whole new set of cookware okay cinderella he has this whole like laundry list of things that he wants i've had like most of the stuff since pharmacy school yeah so it's time yeah well if anyone wants to donate <laughs> Anywho, that is all we have this week. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode, and we will see you guys on Tuesday for the main episode. Bye! Bye!